this week on The Startup Life. For businesses, I think if you want to maximize what you can get from your associates, your employees, you need to encourage everyone to be as creative as possible. All right, Startup Nation, so let's take flight with Amani Roberts, founder of the Amani Experience. The Startup Life begins now. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother... Hey, Startup Nation. Do you enjoy the startup life? Now you can let the world know with gear from the show. Choose from the label yourself, make your own look, and making money t-shirts to tell your story of your path of entrepreneurship. Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation. So I hope you're ready to receive some value today. We have a special guest in the building today. Uh, Amani Roberts, otherwise known as DJ Amro, is in the building. How's it going, sir? It is going very well. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate uh, it. No worries, no worries. As always, this is Dominic Lawson with the Startup Life Podcast, brought to you by the Binge Podcast Network. Hey, Amani, man, you ready to pour some knowledge in the Startup Nation today? Yes, sir. Let's go. Let's do it. All right, man. So tell us your story. What's your story on your path to entrepreneurship? I grew up uh, East Coast, Washington, D.C. area, and I went to Howard University in D.C. Uh, I happened to have a chance to see DJ Bismarcky at a club one night when I was a senior in school and loved it. And that was when I thought and decided I want to be a DJ, but I took the traditional route and worked in corporate America for, you know, almost over 20 years for Marriott Hotels, worked my way up the hotel ladder, general manager, director of sales and marketing, did that. I lived across the country, different cities, whether it be DC, Atlanta, Chicago, Dallas, Miami, LA, but I always had my ear and my eyes on being a DJ. And so when I got out here to LA, Something about living out here just kind of caught the fever and decided to kind of start to pursue DJing on the side. Gotcha. And I did that for a couple of years. And then after that, I decided to go full time. And so that kind of takes you to when I went full time and leads us pretty much up to today. There's some other things that have happened since then that I'm sure we will discuss. But okay. that's kind of my quick version of my story. Awesome stuff. What was DJ uh, Biz Marquee like, man? Oh, it was amazing. That night at the uh, club, he, he he was on fire. He did something back then where he played all of like the um, TV theme show songs from when we were growing up. So oh, wow. I'm a little older. So it was like, you know, the Jeffersons, What's Happening, Give Me a break facts of life golden girls it was amazing and so he had like a quick 15 or 20 minute set when he did that and that was what really caught me and i'll never forget that so he was he was dope and i actually got to meet him maybe two or three years ago so it kind of all came full circle that is dope thanks for sharing that man i bet that was a crazy experience for sure it was it does i'll never forget it Gotcha. Let me ask you this, man. Who or what inspires you as an entrepreneur? You know, I say I see people who have come before me that are succeeding and continue to um, recreate themselves, reinvent themselves. That inspires me. I see other uh, other people like my DJ colleagues that are doing great things, whether it be turntablism, music production, they inspire me as well. And then just when I, you know, hear about people who have kind of gone through some 
tough times, but I've been able to persevere and then thrive. That inspires me as well. So I think between those sets of three people, those are the people that really inspire me. Gotcha. Thanks for sharing that. And we're actually going to talk about a few of your colleagues later on in the show, if that's okay. Sure, right. sure. Definitely. Uh, let me ask you this, man, because you say you spent some time in corporate America. So tell me this, you know, and also you went to Howard, correct? Are they, are they the bison? Howard that's bison? Exactly. Howard bison. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. So uh, tell me about uh, what you learned from the worst boss, teacher, or mentor you ever had. So what did I learn from the best teacher or mentor I had? The worst. Mm. Oh, the worst. The Uh, worst. (laughs) uh, I I would say I've learned what not to do. Just how to to not treat people, how to not uh, be patient, and how just to not do things. That's what I learned from the worst. Yeah, that's how I would answer that. Now, man, any, you know, any of you out there in Startup Nation, if, if you consider yourself a, a, a DJ and you take that craft seriously, then you know about the Scratch Academy DJ School in Chicago. Now, Imani, you were a graduate there, and it really improved up your game as a DJ. That's fair to say, correct? Yes, I, went, I graduated from Scratch uh, LA. Yes, definitely. Oh, Scratch LA. My apologies. My apologies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So tell us about you know, that experience and, you know, and what – Tell us about that experience and the importance of always improving your craft as an entrepreneur. Excellent. Oh, I'd love to share this story. Uh, Scratch Academy was probably the turning point of my DJ career and a very pivotal point in my life. I went there. I had just left corporate America by like six, seven months ago. Sure. I had already been DJing maybe four years before. I went there and I quickly learned that I was not doing some things correctly. So I almost had to tear down the foundation of my DJ house I was building. Fair enough, fair enough. And build it back up again. And so I did that. And I went through the whole process where you take seven different classes, two electives, five main DJ classes. You have to pass each class as you go along. I got to the final class where you, if you pass, you graduate, you get this big plaque like you won a Grammy. I ended up not passing the class, missed it by two points. So it was a very humbling experience. I had to make the decision to persevere, try just the final class one more time. So I tried the final class again. And it's no guarantee that you'll pass the class because it's very subjective. You have to perform five or six different times. You could always mess up or there could be troubleshooting issues. I was able to get through the class with one of the highest scores ever. And that allowed me to graduate. And that was just um, a pitiful time. I was able to meet people that I still work with today. My remix partner was a professor there. So I met him there. We got to be friends. And it just... um, it was life-changing, definitely life-changing. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that, man. Because, like, the thing is, like, you know, sometimes as entrepreneurs who are, you know, 10, 15 years in the game, I think sometimes we forget that sometimes, you know, like, we think we know it all. And so I'm <laughs> glad you pointed that out that, like, you know, that part was important, you know, improving your craft and stuff like that. So thank you for sharing that story. Man. Let me ask you this, man. Like, what are some of the challenges you had to overcome to pursue your career as a DJ? and building the Imani experience, which we'll dive into deeper later on in the show for sure. I think some of the challenge I had is that starting over again, it's never easy to start over again. I had been on a trajectory. I was doing very well in corporate America. I was on my way, you know, continue to climb the corporate ladder at a young age. Mm -hmm. And I made the decision to start over again. So I had to kind of reinvent myself. And when you reinvent yourself, it's a little harder to do it when you're in your 30s than if you're in your 20s. And it would be even harder if you're in your 40s doing it. But I had to make the decision, the risk to start all over again. So you, you have to kind of you keep the network you have, but you have to start to meet new people, you know, build trust. But then I had to learn a whole new 
craft, all totally new skills, continue to practice, network, get out there, and kind of do, still working, but doing things on the side. So I think that was just the biggest challenge is recreating myself, starting all over again, and recognizing that it's going to be a few years before I'll get back to the position I was at before when I was an executive with Marriott in terms of financially, security, it's just not easy. Plus, then going into the entrepreneurship world where it's very, very, very different from corporate America where you, you just, there's, it's just less, I want to say it's like less secure. You have the comfort and the security that you know your paycheck is coming every two weeks when you're in corporate America. But if you're not an entrepreneur, you could have a really strong month and do, do even better than you even imagined. You could have a slow month and just really be scrapping and looking for different ways to earn revenue. So I think those are the two biggest challenges is recreating myself and then just learning the entrepreneurship world on the fly as I'm in it, working it as well. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that, man. One of the things I actually want to follow up with is you talked about getting success at a young age, because a lot of times we have, you know, entrepreneurs or just people climbing the corporate ladder and maybe they got success a little bit too early and they're not really sure how to handle that, man. So if, you, if you're talking to like a 22, 23-year-old and they're like, you know, going rocketing up that corporate ladder, man, what's some advice you would give them to kind of like, you know, think about where they are right now? I would give them some advice that was given to me when I kind of first started at Scratch, which is by um, Mr. Chalk. He told us to always keep your feet on the ground. So no matter what kind of success you have, Keep your feet on the ground, stay humble, always be curious. And just remember that even if you're, you know, the best at something, there's always someone out there who's even better than you. So, you know, as long as you are working on yourself and not worrying about the competition or who you're competing with and you continue to get better every day, you're going to be fine. But once you start to look at other people and then comparing yourself and trying to do this and do that, that's when you're going to run into trouble. So I would tell them always continue to invest in yourself. There's always someone out there that's better. So make sure you keep your feet on the ground and just keep working day by day on yourself. And as long as you continue to love what you're doing, you'll be fine. But try, don't fall into the comparison trap. Be wary of, you know, the imposter syndrome as you get more success then you know, that starts to creep into the picture as well. And just stay humble, but also surround yourself with people who are going to be honest with you, people who are going to celebrate you, but also tell you what you need to hear when you don't want to hear it as well. When you talk about the comparison trap, that sounds like the mama mentality. Are you a Kobe Bryant fan? <laughs> I I respect Kobe's game. Oh. I was a big Kobe fan. <laughs> you know. But, you know, I, I respect Kobe's game and his work ethic is unmatched, you know. I'm a little older, so I was more of a Michael Jordan fan. For sure. But, yeah, I, I respect Kobe, no doubt. Gotcha. Okay, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So I would argue that like that, that Jordan mentality and Kobe mentality are somewhat the same as far as the work ethic that definitely, is. You know, definitely, definitely. Definitely similarities, for sure. For, for sure, for sure. Hey, Amani, let me ask you this, man. Like, What is one of those popular misconceptions you run into, into when you uh, first started the Amani experience, or any other business for that matter? What are some of those popular misconceptions you run into? I would say if you have your own business and you're able to work from home a lot of the time, you can take naps during the day, you can like go and take long lunches and you don't really work at home where that's completely incorrect because you actually work more than you did if you had a traditional job. Like you might get up at like 7.38, you're working until, you know, 3.34, you might stop for an hour or two, then six to 10, you're working. Like the work doesn't stop. 
And you're not just because you work from home doesn't mean you're just chilling watching, you know, TV. Like you have to work almost. It, it's like you've gone from a nine to five to a 24 seven and people just don't understand that and they don't get that. And then another misconception in terms of just DJing is that, you know, mm. you can play whatever, whatever music you want to play at any time. And that's definitely not the case. Like many, many times you don't get to play what you want to hear. You have to play what the audience or your client wants to hear. And so just because you get to DJ these parties and, and these events many times you can't play what you might want to play you have to play what the crowd wants which you might not like so i think those are two misconceptions that i run into all the time i'm glad you brought that up man because i've always thought djs when you talk about like you know playing what the crowd wants to listen to is almost kind of like a psychologist in and trying to anticipate you know what the crowd wants to hear how do you go through that process man i always find that fascinating that's a great question like it's like you're playing chess with the crowd like you have to be three or four or five songs ahead like you have to know wow. okay if if i want to get to you know if i want to get to this popular song that i know the crowd wants by drake well i have to work my way up there both in terms of energy as well as bpm so what songs am i going to play that's going to lead them along the road keep them on the dance floor build up the anticipation so that when we hit that song you know it's like we got them and we can let it go to the second course and keep it moving so it's it's like you're playing chess and and you have to take risks along the way like maybe you have one crowd where a certain song by Beyonce might work well if you're at another place maybe they don't want to hear Beyonce they want to hear um you know they want to hear some Wu-Tang Clan but you still okay. got to get to that final song so you have to be able to take risks remember what works what doesn't work read the crowd which I feel is one of the most difficult skills for a DJ is to read the crowd because no one crowd is the same as the other crowd. Every crowd is different. And just you're just playing chess. You're trying to say three or four or five moves, which in really reality is songs, ahead of them so you can lead them along the way, keep them, bring them, you know, keep them along for the journey, give them what they want to hear, sneak in some new stuff, and just keep them for as many hours as, as possible. Thank you for sharing that, Amani, for sure. Start of Nation, you may be wondering why I asked that question, but but that's one of those things where – whether it's DJing or your business, you really do have to try to anticipate your customers' needs before they even realize that they need them in the first place, right? So I'm really glad you shared that process of mine. I think that's very valuable content for sure. Uh, let me ask you this, man. Now, you're active in two nonprofits there in LA, right? Camp Spinoff and LA's Best. And LA's Best, you sit on the board, correct? Correct. Yes. Absolutely. So explain this to Startup Nation, man, why is it important for entrepreneurs to add that social aspect to either their business or to their personal journey as an entrepreneur? I'm glad you asked this. I feel it's important for entrepreneurs to give back to the community, to be active in the community, just because I think that it's important for us to recognize where we live in our environment and to bring people through with us to the entrepreneurship world. So, you know, I think you probably heard the saying, if you go through a door, you crack through a window, bring, reach back and bring some people with you. It's the, same con it's the same concept, but for me, for specifically for LA's Best, like I, I want to be able to be an example to the kids. It's mostly kindergarten through fifth grade kids who have to go to after school activities to kind of keep them out of trouble, enrichment activities. They learn about math, science, arts, everything, sports as well. And so it's just important for them to see people who look like them that are doing things that they might not be exposed to in school and just learn from us and just give them some inspiration to do that. I think that, especially in the day and age that we're in now, people want to work with other people who are committed to the community and committed to giving back and not always taking, but also giving. That's why I spend a lot of my time, you know, on 
with nonprofits on the board, volunteering different activities, get, donating a whole week of my time for camp spinoff in the summer. We go off and be counselors to kids 13 to 17 years old who have a passion or interest in DJing or music production. And so I just think it's important. I learned that from my parents. My dad was very active, so I learned that from them. And just giving back. And plus, it fills me up as well, too. The camp spinoff, the week there, that's one of my favorite weeks of the year. And I love to yes. go, you know, and, it, and this is not easy either. For six, you know, five nights, I'm in a cabin with, you know, nine or 10, 12 or 13-year-olds who have never been away from home. So that's crazy. There's no sleep happening there. And so um, <laughs> just doing that and giving back. And then, but that's also when you're doing nonprofit work, that's a very organic way of networking. You're meeting people For who sure. are like-minded, Absolutely. who are giving back into the community. And that's how you can make, meet future partners, future business collaborators, and friends. So I think it just kind of covers all three aspects that I mentioned. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that, man. And in that same vein, man, you know, because I imagine you do a lot of mentoring in both of those uh, nonprofit groups, but who are your mentors, man? My mentors. I have mentors. I, I like to consider like my, um, my remix partner. He's a mentor. He also teaches me piano. That's one. Some of my instructors from school would be Mr. Chalk, DJ Revolution, or mentors, business people, people in the business aspect. And it could be that I know them or I don't know them. Like I look up to, I pay attention to people like, uh, like Tim Ferriss, Julie Solomon, who's like an influencer. Like I watch what they're doing, Lewis Howes, see what they're doing. They kind of follow along the way. Um, you know, I always viewed my dad, he's not with us anymore, but he was always like a mentor as well, just to kind of follow in his footsteps. Also, um, different professors that I had in college. So I have a few sets of mentors that I see periodically, a few that, you know, don't even know who I am, but I'm watching what they're doing and trying to follow along with their success. DJ Jazzy Jeff is another DJ who I follow very closely. Um, Z, Z Trip as well. So those are just different people in the business field and, um, you know, in the podcast world, in the DJ world. So I look up to them if I'm lucky enough to meet them, you know, just try to establish relationships. And so we're lucky in this day and age where with the access we have online through YouTube, social media, podcasts, blogs, Twitter, you can follow along and meet people and, and you don't have to know them, but you can watch what they're doing, at least what they're sharing. Absolutely. And and really kind of learn from them and just 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 listen and pay attention. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. You're right. I, I call those people mentors from afar. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me ask you this, man. And if you feel uncomfortable answering this question, you know, it's all good. But it, it sounds like in the, in, the, in the past two responses, you know, you mentioned your dad. And it sounds like your dad was very important to you. My condolences, by the way. Uh, it, it sounds like your dad was very important to you on that on that social aspect, giving back aspect. Tell us a little bit about your dad, man. My dad, he um, he was very hard on me. He was very hard on me, but he um, he didn't he didn't. I played soccer growing up all the way through college, even after college. Played basketball too. He he never missed a game, but at the same time, he was a professor and a chairman of the Department of Psychology at Howard University. So he's extremely busy. He's also a real estate agent on the side, which is where I first saw how entrepreneurship and working kind of, you know, a side gig kind of benefits you. And then plus he was active in the community, whether it be through his fraternity or through giving back through different nonprofits. So of course, you know, I, um, I learned a lot from him. Then it, it hasn't really come full circle yet, but this was a really big uh, achievement or kind of a career option for me is this past uh, August, I also began to be a part-time adjunct professor at Cal State Fullerton. My dad was a professor and you know, chairman of the Department of Psychology at Howard. So that's just, you know, kind of living 
in his footsteps, but with my own twist as well. And so that was really meaningful for me just to get the position and be do do well at that. And so he just he has had a lasting impact. Plus, I got introduced to music from my dad. My dad would take me mm. to the record store. Whether back in the day, the record store was called Waxy Maxi, and he was helping me get my first records and then tapes. And so he introduced me to music. Music was always playing on the stereo, especially in the mornings on Saturdays and when we drive around. So he was sort of exposed to music, and that's just that's the help to make me who I am today. For sure, for sure. If, if your dad hadn't exposed you to that discipline and those, you know, those records, if you will, would there be an, an Amani experience today? I don't think so. I think I probably would have gone a different way. So, you know, I'm just kind of, yeah, living through what he taught me. For sure. For sure. And I'm, and thank you for sharing that, man. I appreciate that. I, I, I just that. And the reason I wanted to ask you that, because I think a lot of our upbringing really does shape how we view the world, but also in this particular instance, it views, uh, how we create our businesses and our journeys to entrepreneurship. So thank you for sharing that. That, that was powerful, man. I appreciate that. Definitely. Thanks for asking. Uh, let me ask you this, man, before we go to break, man, what does your average day look like? Top to bottom, sun up, sun down, be specific as possible. Average day, I will get up in the morning, usually around 7.30, 8 o'clock. I'll walk my dog. I'll come back. I'll do my morning pages, which means I'll journal, try to get three pages of writing in, whatever's on my mind, whatever ideas I have. I'll do that for 30 minutes. Then I practice my piano pretty much six out of seven days a week. That's like a good 35 or 40 minutes practicing the piano for my music theory. From there, um, if I'm lucky, I might be able to read a little bit, but then I get to like the administrative work, whether it be a little writing, checking emails, answering emails. That takes me through, and the whole administrative work following up with sales takes me through a good portion of the day. Do you have a lunch break? Walk the dog again. Then I get into, if I'm working on a remix, I'll work on the remix for a while, just kind of work with that for a couple hours. Then um, usually three or four days of the week, I might um, work on like music programming, collecting music, figure out what I want to add to the my crates for the weekends, gigs that are coming up. Two or three days a week, I'll play soccer, either in a co-ed league or men's leagues. So I'll do that. And that, you know, then at nighttime, I might maybe watch a TV show or read a book and then kind of go to bed. So kind of rinse and repeat. But that takes you through a pretty basic day of mine. And if I have meetings or gigs, those are in there as well. But if I don't have a gig or a meeting, then that's pretty much a day when I'm pretty much home-based as well. Thank you for sharing that. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. How do you like being on Startup Life so far, Bonnie? Oh, it's lots of fun. Great questions. Enjoying it. All right, Startup Nation. I hope you're getting great value from today's guest, but we got to pay a few bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson, and you're listening to The Startup Life. business owner. The Startup Life reach is growing. 
Wouldn't you like your business to grow with it? Reach out to us to advertise on The Startup Life. You can reach us at 901-857-4818 or you can email me at dominic at askalsolutions.com. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, this is a great music to have break on, but wouldn't this break sound a lot better with the same music but your business being advertised on it? If you are a teacher looking for great resources, look no further than our Teaching with Al section of our website. Enjoy great lessons such as our mini lesson for the story of an hour or dive into the Nixon presidency as part of our legacy series. Enjoy great peace of mind from our units as they are Common Core aligned. Click the link in the show notes to purchase. All right, Startup Nation, so let's continue. So, Amani, before we continue, man, you know, I, I hear that, you know, uh, you played soccer as a kid and you still play a little soccer now. Uh, talk about, you know, why soccer and also that importance of getting that physical activity in or that exercising it as an entrepreneur. Uh, I started playing soccer when I was five years old and playing it ever since. I just find it's good for, you know, <clears throat> the um, teamwork aspect as well as cardio, lots of running. You see the soccer players run all over the field. So oh, man. Lots, of, <laughs> lots of running. It, it can be physical as well, too. So um, I just grew up playing it, stuck with it, loved it, um, played that in like high school, college. So I was able to be pretty and to, you know get a certain level of achievement and then just when I moved away different cities I kept playing I found different leagues it was a good way for me to meet people and get active mm. nowadays I like it because it keeps me in some decent shape I still have to maybe run do some running as well and then try to add in some yoga for stretching I just think that as an entrepreneur life it's good to, you know you need to be healthy so you can be the best you can be because you know your health is your wealth and if you're not healthy you can't absolutely. earn any money absolutely so I do that and then try to eat well also I do my best to keep my practice of like intermittent fasting up, which will kind of help me control the weight and do that and add in soccer and a little yoga. And so I, I keep a pretty decent uh, diet going and keep the, you know, pretty good shape. And that's, I just think it's important um, because entrepreneurial life, you, 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 sit, you sit a lot, you mm. might not have the best eating habits. You have funny hours, like a DJ, I have funny hours. So I really try to, Oh, um, I bet, I bet, you know, I don't really like to drink too much and eat late at night. So it just helps me kind of stay in shape and gets me out there meeting people. Because working from home, as you know, mm-hmm. working from home can be very, very lonely. So if you have a game to look forward to, if you have practice or games to look forward to, that's going to get you out with people. And it just, it's just better for you mentally, personally, and professionally. For sure. Thank you for sharing that. Now, Startup Nation, I know I'm being a dead horse, but Amani said something that, that, you know, that we try to uh, insist on on this show all the time. If you don't care, take care of yourself, you can't take care of the business. And so you, you didn't just hear me say it, Amani said it too. So I, I assure you that that is very great advice. So thank you for backing me up there, Amani. I appreciate that. Of course, I got your back. I appreciate that for sure, for sure. So let's, let's hop into it, man. Tell us about the Amani experience and what can people expect when they receive that experience? So the Amani experience is a company. And what we do is we provide musical experiences, whether it be for corporate events, social events, could be birthday party, weddings. Um, if you need team building, we have an activity called the Wheels of Steel team building experience with the Amani experience, where instead of your traditional team building activities, ropes courses, getting in circles, scavenger hunts, we use a team building <laughs> activity. We do a team building activity that is centered around a DJ lesson with turntables, microphones, songs, DJ names. And so what you will get within the Imani Experience umbrella is just a musical experience that will be memorable, that will be fun, and something that will just have you excited to share it with your friends and family. And just it just really helps you to unleash your creativity as well. I'm glad you mentioned that, man, because, you know, when I, I started, you know, doing a little bit of research and stuff like that, and, you, and talked about 
that DJing with uh, using DJing, you know, as a team building experience. I'm like, man, how amazing is that? Like, I would have never thought of that. How did you come up with that, man? I came up with this idea by through we talked about before the LA's best nonprofit. We would each go to a school every month and do a special activity with the kids. When it was time, when it was time for my month, I brought my turntables and some of my DJ colleagues, and we taught the kids about music and DJing, showed them final records, have them get up there, do some scratches. And it was extremely successful. Like it was really popular. The kids love it. All the volunteers would come to that activity. So it got to be really popular. I got to thinking, I said, well, I could probably use this and kind of transfer over to the corporate uh, mm-hmm. aspect. So I started to come up with a plan there, tested it out. It did well. So we've been kind of rolling this out for a good year, year and a half now, just trying to spread the word, get different clients to try it out. We had State Farm, they tried it out. They loved it. So we're just trying to spread the word. Um, it can be done world worldwide and and just try to you know continue to grow share it with people like yourself and your audience and say you know if you have an office and they're thinking about some team building or they're doing a retreat let's talk because we can make it happen and we do that and yeah yes that's kind of how that idea came to fruition for sure that i i think is dope i think that is so dope seriously man that is awesome let me ask you this man you know on the startup life we talk uh, to startup nation about you know the entrepreneurial mindset. And it doesn't necessarily mean that like, you know, you have to start a business. So I kind of want to dive into that entrepreneurial mindset or creativity, if you will, a little bit. So why is it important for businesses to implement creativity in the workspace? For businesses, I think if you want to maximize what you can get from your associates, your employees, you need to encourage everyone to be as creative as possible. You'll notice that some people might not have a huge creativity muscle in the beginning. Some people are very creative. But I think when you encourage creativity in the workplace, it kind of lowers people's guards. It lets people be more comfortable. They feel free to express themselves both through their creativity, but then also since they've given, been given the go-ahead to be creative in like meetings, if they disagree with things or they have different ideas, even if it's someone who's like a, a new manager and they can disagree with the CEO and feel comfortable sharing their ideas, I think that um, it's just advantageous all the way around. I know that the CEO of Netflix, uh, Reed Hastings, he, he mm-hmm. they almost require, they require people to be creative and to disagree Absolutely. and to do all that. And so I just think that, especially in the day and age that we are in now, where things are changing so fast and companies have to pivot, you know, once a year, twice a year, three times a year, if you have people within your business that are being creative, you can, as we spoke about, you can kind of stay three or four steps ahead of the trends, the competition, because you're already thinking about different ways of doing things. Absolutely. And I want to say like creativity is like the new currency. Like you have to be creative if you want to survive oh. in this, in this environment. Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, 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 oh man, you to hit it on a head right there. Startup Nation, yes, like he said, creativity is the new currency. Because honestly, man, when you think about, and don't get me wrong, like we don't want anybody to lose their jobs, but when you talk about this getting automated and that getting automated, it's one of those things where it's like being the ability to create, right, will be your your pathway to really, you know, forging a new destiny if you, you find yourself, you know, unemployed or something like that because of automation or whatever the case may be, right? I just think it's really important that people constantly reinvent themselves like you talked about now and your story earlier in the show. So I really do appreciate yeah. it. I mean, a good example is for my business, in my experience, we do remixes. So we, we help different musical artists do remixes and we had a client in New York, he had a remix done, but he, 
he didn't have a video. He's like, oh, I don't know how to do a video. I said, you know what? I'll make you a video. So it's just quick little pivot there, you know, get some footage. He sends some footage. We find some footage online that we can use, make a video. So now, not only can we help him, but someone else could come along and say, you know what? I don't have money or a budget for a big video. Can you help me? Well, yeah, we've done this. We can do a lyric video for you. We can do a video with people. So it's just thinking of different ways to add value to your own business while still being creative. If we weren't creative, we would have never thought about this idea and just continue to offer be of service to your client you know I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that real quick I want to ask you something is a quick follow-up when you talk about the remixes in the creative process now when you're creating a set or doing remixes now forgive me I'm not a DJ so I say some ignorant is out of ignorance it's not like I'm trying to you know uh, <laughs> don't worry no worries gotcha. no worries <laughs> uh, but when you're in that creative process when you think about you know creating a set for a gig or you're doing a remix what goes into that that creative you know process if we now I don't want you to give up the special sauce but like whatever you can give us and give startup nation I'll be, I'll be very grateful to you okay I'll answer them both um, separately so for a gig if I know I'm ha- I have a gig and I, I, I know the age demographic of the people that are involved what works well for me is that if you know the age demographic and you're able to spring in song, sprinkle in songs when the people were in like high school junior high school that will almost always work because we have such strong emotions and memories to songs of our youth so that's kind of that's kind of a tip for that and then you sprinkle in new songs as well Mm. and so you just kind of plan the process that way i think that's a good tip for planning out i said you always want to have the popular music that people love to hear you want to be able to play some classic songs that people will love to sing along with you also want to sneak in some songs that show your personality as well so that's how you plan out a set also and then you follow the instructions if the client has given you instructions like oh we want to hear a lot of 80s music or we really want like 90s hip-hop 90s r&b you make sure you have a good string of songs there but then you kind of look at the demographics and if you don't get that but you can see when you arrive how people respond to certain songs you can take and follow that rule down the path now in terms of remixes you really what i found that works for us is we listen to a song and then we figure out okay we want to do a remix what kind of remix do we want to do do we want to take it back to the 90s do we want to do a latin style remix do we want to do a house kind of four on the floor remix what do we want then you might get like a reference track so it's a track that maybe you're not gonna completely copy but it has similar elements or similar tempo to what you want to get the track to go to and then you kind of use that as a framework and then you add in some flavor from like current day maybe old school day some things you like so if you get a reference track you can use that to help you along the remix and sometimes you will hear a song you're like I know what that song sound song needs to sound like I'm going to take it this way we'll do it other times use a reference track and you just really kind of use what's worked in the past, add your own flavor to it, make it current, and then just see what the artist or the client likes from there. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that, man. I appreciate that. Now, you have an amazing team over there at the Amani Experience. You got DJ Ivy and V Fresh, right? And yes. so uh, tell us how do you pick the people to join your team and make sure they're consistent with the vision that you have for the Amani Experience? When I decide who I want to have join the team, I'll first bring them with me on a gig and they might be able to hop on and do a couple, you know, 30 or an hour, then see how that goes. If they pass that part of the quote unquote test, then I might get another gig where I'll send them out by themselves. 
see how they do, see the feedback from the client, and as long as that feedback goes well, then you know we'll go out on another bigger gig together and see first of all what time do they arrive, what how they're dressed, how they interact with the client, how do they interact with the people that are at the event. So then I do a third, it's like three or four different tests in a row. So then I watch them, and then really you know I've already gotten to know them enough before I even bring them in that I know that they emulate the vision and how I want the brand to be. Sure. And so then we do the three or four tests and as long as they pass that, then they're good for me to kind of hire them out. If I have a gig, I need to send them out and communicate with them effectively. So it's like, I've already gotten to know them before they even become a part of the brand. Then once I say, okay, I want you to work some gigs with me so we can see how it goes. And then from there, it's pretty simple because they've kind of already been through a three or a four gig test. Plus I know them. And so we're kind of off and running. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, let me ask you this, man. I, I know whether it be a, a gig or maybe even a client that, you know, gets you over to do a remix that maybe you have all the great intentions and you think it's all going to go well. And then you have signs or red flags like, you know what, this is going to turn out so great. So I guess my question is, have you ever had to turn down a client, man? Before the contract has been signed, mm, yes. There have gotcha. been, been, <laughs> been clients where we're like, yeah, your vision and our vision is just not going to work. I can help you find someone who could be a better fit for you because I'm not sure we're going to be able to meet your needs, but I can maybe send you to a couple people that might be able to be a better fit. After the contract's been signed, I have yet, I'm not going to wood, I have yet to run into that issue just yet. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, if the if a couple of times before the contract has been signed, I definitely have said, ooh, you know, what they're looking for or maybe how they're treating us as potential partners is not appropriate. I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah, we, it's not a, in our best interest to move forward, but I can help you find someone else so that you could still get taken care of. Uh, and I imagine that you probably do a really good vetting process before the contract is even signed. So that way you don't really have any too, uh, too many hiccups after it's been signed, correct? Definitely, definitely. Now, our vetting process still evolves, but we For got sure. a pretty good, sure. process, pretty good process in place right now so that uh, we tend to avoid running into any of those issues just as of yet. Uh, let me ask you this, man. Let's talk shop for a second. So you have a podcast, the Amani Experience Podcast, which is an amazing podcast. Startup Nation, you can find that uh, that find uh, Amani's podcast on all your major platforms uh, there, um, you know, out in the podcast world, whatever the case may be. Uh, what made you start the podcast, man? And what are you hoping people get from your show? So what made me start the podcast is I wanted to be known and want to be known as more than just a DJ. I want to be known as a thought leader, both in the DJ space, but as well as in the creative space. For sure. Generally speaking, you know, people love to like blog. You can blog, you can vlog, video blog or whatever. You can do a podcast, you can do guest speaking, things of that nature. So I thought I want to do a podcast, which would help lead me to more guest speaking uh, opportunities so that I can share not only my expertise, but I can also interview other experts across all different variety of disciplines, whether it be photography, yoga instructors, spoken word, DJs, music producers, you know, everyone. So then that allows me to share content on a weekly basis, continue to kind of stay top of mind, do that. In addition, inside the podcast, I can share my original music. I can kind of share my taste in music, my thoughts as well. And, and so that's kind of why I started the podcast. How do I want it to benefit the business? It's just, it's just a really, I kind of like to call it, it's like a, a current way of like networking as well as going to like a master class for each episode you record. Mm, gotcha. And I just, I just really want people to listen to it. And if, say if they're at home and they're working in a job and they've been wanting to maybe leave their job to be a photographer or they want to start and be a 
yoga instructor on the side or even a DJ, but they kind of are a little risk averse. I want them to hear someone's story on the podcast and be like, you know what? I could be like Jamie and I can do that. Or I can be like Michelle and go be a DJ. Or I can be like, you know, John and start become a writer for children's books or whatever. And so that's my goal is that I want people to listen to it, get inspired to maybe take some action and use people's stories that they hear on the podcast as motivation to stick with it and be resilient. Gotcha, man. I appreciate you sharing that. And uh, anytime I have a podcaster on my show or I go on a podcast, I always say this and I you know, want to say it here as well. Uh, Startup Nation, anytime you, know, you have uh, somebody who does the same thing that you do or whatever the case may be, there does, there's not any instant competition. Like you can turn, you can listen to the startup life, turn it off and go listen to the Amani podcast, Amani experience podcast and still get great value from both podcasts. Cause a lot of times Amani, man, you may not have run into this, but I surely have where a podcast is like, like podcast beef, which I didn't realize was a thing. But <laughs> apparently that exists. And so I just wanted to make it clear that like, man, you can come on my podcast or whatever case may be, promote your podcast and there shouldn't be any issue with that. So I just want to get that out there. For That's uh, good. I mean, when you think of like, you really are only competing with yourself. Now it's taken me a while to learn this and to accept this as like a philosophy, but it's true. Sure. So the only real competition you have is really with yourself. If you can work on yourself or me, like my podcast, if I can continue to make my podcast better each episode, then I'm all right. And people, if they're listening to one podcast, they're going to listen to more. So you there want them is. to be listening to podcasts because then that means they're more apt to not only listen to yours, share it with their friends, get their friends to listen to it. So I agree with you. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that, man. Hey, Amani, I believe all entrepreneurs have a superpower. What's yours and why? <laughs> my superpower, my superpower would be anticipation, being able to anticipate the needs mm. of clients Very. or people listening to music, people who are looking to become inspired. I say my superpower is anticipation, being able to anticipate what people need before they know they need it and provide it to them so they don't even realize that their needs have been met. Let me ask you this, man. I want you to, well, finish this uh, sentence for me. When you hire the Amani experience, you are getting what? You're getting an amaz amazing musical experience that will have you, you know, will have you feeling bouts of nostalgia and anticipation for more. Love it. Love it. Love it. So, man, we're, you know, last question, man. Any last words of wisdom nuggets that you want to drop on Startup Nation? The floor is yours to do that, man. I appreciate it. I think last minute words of wisdom is just, you know, if you have an idea or you want to start something, you know, you start whether it be a new business, a new company, a new project, you know, I'm of the thinking that you should go for it. Like, I know it might be challenging at first always keep you like you know get a side job or something else but i think that the worst thing in life is to maybe you know look back on the end of your, end of your life and have regrets in terms of i wish i would have done that or i wish i would have started that or, i wish i would have tried that so try to especially when it comes to creative pursuits try to really really figure out how you can make it happen how you can try to to get it started surround yourself with some great people who can support you and be honest with you at the same time but don't you know don't leave all your great ideas trapped inside of you. Share them and, and let's try to get them out there in the world and develop them. I hear that. So that's going to wrap up this session of the Startup Life. Uh, Amani, did you enjoy it, man? I loved it. Thank you very much. Thank awesome. you for having me. I Startup Nation. So here's my final take. Amani is one of my favorite guests to have on because when he talks about creativity, it's one of the very 
big tools in your arsenal you have as an entrepreneur. The ability to create and to be creative is something that can propel you not just on your path to entrepreneurship, but if you have a nine to five, it can help you scale the corporate ladder. And what he's doing at the Armani Experience can really help you to do that. Also, I love how his path, his entrepreneurship is really uh, co-written by his dad and how his dad helped instill that discipline uh, and that work ethic in him to be the success that he is today. And it goes to show that Startup Nation, you know, our parents aren't just nagging us, they really are just there to help us. So I really love that his dad was part of his origin story. If you want to let us know what you think about the show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a new way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is here in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can now be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and SoundCloud. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.